So hi and welcome to episode 167 of Level Up, 60 minutes of live Q&A where your questions drive the show. Ella's over in the chat, so please say hi, let us know where you're watching from, also where the city you're watching from, that would be really good to know. Get your questions in early, post them in the chat, or you can use the QR code that you'll see on the screen from time to time. You just scan that with your mobile phone, it'll take you straight to the chat function. Of course, we're going to post a link in the chat for you to vote up the questions that you'd most like answered, and of course, for you to add your own. Now, if your name is selected, it will appear in the credits at the end of the show. So stay around, get your questions in early, stay around to see that happen. So today we're talking about how to build a career in service management. Now, Bill Gates once said, your most unhappy customers are your greatest source of learning. I think that never a truer statement has been made about service management. Effective service managers understand and deliver, actually, what the business requires to provide quality services that customers will value, buy, and continue to use. So how can you develop those important skills and build your service management career? So to answer that question, and of course, all of your questions, let's uh, get them in early. Let's jump in and meet our panel. Welcome, panel. Thanks for taking the time to answer your qu everybody's questions today again. I'm just going to walk around the panel and introduce everybody. I'm going to start with Johan. Johan is specialized in building digital capab capabilities and organizations in very innovative ways. He has a business agility method called ADAPT. His focus is on practical skills development using workshops, training, and coaching. Welcome, Johan. Hi, Nigel. Once again, for, thanks for the invite. Always a pleasure having you on the panel. Okay, as an enterprise service management architect, Jan helps to reduce complexity and achieve sustainable improvements with the unified service management method. It is a unique proposition from a nonprofit um, position as well. So service management will never be the same again once you've had a look at USM. So Jan, welcome. Uh, nice to be here and hope to uh, chip in and, uh, the questions we are going to handle. Fantastic. Thanks, Jan. Appreciate having you here. Sunil is the Managing Director of Quinn Consulting Services, and he's also responsible for the training and consulting business in India, Middle East, and Africa. Now, I've known Sunil for many, many years, and he has an incredibly comprehensive background of, in IT education with a lot of experience in different companies like HP, NIIT, Microland. Um, so plenty of experience. Welcome, Sunil. Thanks, Nigel. Uh, greetings from uh, wet and uh, you know rainy India. Uh, good to be back. Look forward to the session today. Fantastic. Thank you. And Luca, you spent 20 plus years in the IT industry. He decided to start his own company named eQuality Italia. Now, the purpose of that is to have a positive impact on Italian organizations through training and coaching all of their leaders. Welcome, Luca. Thank you, Nigel. Thank you for having me here. And uh, I'm so excited to be here with this uh, fantastic panel of experienced people. Fantastic. Nice to have you here again, Luca. And our final panelist is Stefan. So Stefan, on behalf of APMG, works with our channel partners and trainers in the education space. And he's achieved business growth in that region, used many of his capabilities in the service management and project in, you know, environments and he engages with the community to try to improve relationships with his customers. So welcome back to the panel, Stefan. Thanks, Nigel. Thanks for the invitation to be here. And what a great topic we have today. 
I agree completely. And finally, joining us from London is Adriana Santana, our question master. Hi, Nigel. Hi, Adriana. Hi. Great to have you back on as QM again today. So, with that, should we take our first question, please? Of course. So, our first question actually comes from one of our panelists, Johan. And what is a service management professional? What is a service management professional indeed? <laughs> I think there are going to be a lot of definitions from the panel here about what a service management professional actually is. So I think we'll start off with Stefan and then we'll move to Luca. Thanks, Nigel. Um, Johan, a service management professional is actually not even a protected term. So it, it looks like it's a profession um, to be a professional, it is not protected. It's one of those things we found out at the ITSMF um, community that that term IT service management and being a professional, a service manager is not protected. So actually it can be everyone, everything. A service management professional can be theoretically the one who fixes your fridge um, because it's service management to do this, and we're talking about IT service management professionals, probably those people who deal with customers and make sure customers receive the service as it is defined in the ISO 20000 norm. Interesting. Okay, Stefan, thank you for that answer. Luca, what are your thoughts on what a service management yes. professional is? I was just reflecting about... Uh, the etymology of the term service. Service is the characteristic of people who work like a servant. So a service management professional, from my point of view, is a person who decides that his work is to help others to be useful. Simply, simply like that. Interesting, yeah, to help others to be useful. Okay, that's an interesting way of looking at it, definitely. Okay, let's, let's go to Sunil before we hear from the person who actually posed the question, Johan. Yeah, so according to me, since it's talking about generic service management, my view is uh, anybody who manages the service end-to-end. -end. Now, uh, that would be a problem fixer for most people, right? So you have an issue. You call somebody like, uh, you know, Stefan was saying, somebody fixes the fridge, somebody is fixing your AC, somebody fixing your IT, somebody fixing anything. So, yeah, it's a pretty generic term, but I would say a problem solver would be uh, a person who really would be a service management professional, a person who can be a good planner, who can plan, uh, you know, end-to-end -end service delivery could be a good professional. And we will talk around that as well. But I would say a problem fixer would be one. Problem fixer. Okay. Uh, I certainly don't disagree with that. I think service managers spend a lot of their time fixing problems. <laughs> so very good points there. Okay. We're going to hear from Jan before we go to Johan. So Jan, what are your thoughts? Uh, I think this is uh, uh, typically the answer that, that most people come up with. If you talk about what is a service manager, what is a service management at all, because we always focus on the operational side. That has been caused by 30 years of uh, teaching each other all about practices. Now, everyone has a focus on the operational side, but management is always two, come, two aspects. It's on the one side, it's the setting up of what you need to do, and the other side is the execution of what has been set up. 
Now, this is always a dichotomy where we tend to focus on the operational side. Every answer until now is about the operations. And in my views, that will never succeed uh, in terms of getting a sustainable result if we not first create the setup in a decent and sustainable way. So for me, service management is much more about setting up what you need to get done instead of focusing on the execution. Good points. Very good points, Jan. I was going to raise that myself. So, okay, let's hear from the person who uh, who, who asked the question. Johan, what are your thoughts? Yeah, it, I, I asked the question because I think a lot of service management professionals tend to, as Jan says, be far too operationally focused. And at the end of the day, it's not the management professional that makes it unique. It's the fact that it's a service management professional. So that means the focus should be on, on the service you know, and the way that we add value, as Lucas said, to, um, to our customers. Um, so, and, and I suppose the, the, the next thing then that we need to say is I did not ask what is an IT service management professional. Um, and I think to a large extent, management and leadership and organizations should be service management professionals. Um, they, they drive this relationship of creating value on behalf of the customer or for the customer. Yeah, yeah. Johan, thank you. I totally agree with that. So, you know, when you look at what is a service management professional, I just want to echo the sentiments that pretty much everybody on the panel has said, but Jan, um, Jan iterated very well earlier. Service management isn't necessarily about operationalizing something. Yeah. Service management is about delivering the requirements for the business. And that involves understanding what your business actually does to begin with and its strategy, its direction of travel. And therefore, you can define the services that are going to be required to get it there effectively. And that takes a bit more work than just understanding a service management framework. Yep. So very important point. All right. Thanks, everybody. Adriana, may we have our next question? Of course, Nigel. So our next question comes from Niha in Delhi, India. And she wants to know what human skills are essential for you to be effective in service management? What human skills are going to be effective in service management? Well, I think a lot of them, actually. So, all right. I think everybody on the panel wants to answer. So I'll define an order. Johan had his hand up first. So let's go with Johan and then we'll move on to the others in the panel. I think let's start with being a good human being. Yeah, listening to our customers, empathizing with our customer, understanding what it is, you know, that they're trying to achieve. What's the job they want done? What's the problem they're trying to solve? Um, and and really um, attempt to uh, help them achieve those those outcomes. Yeah, agreed. Listening and empathy. Both of those are two core skills that a service manager needs. Sunil, what are your core skills? I think in the previous question, we talked about the proactive part and the reactive part. So I'm going to talk a little bit around that, the operational side and the planning side. So I would say, uh, you know, from the human skills point of view, I, you know, Johan mentioned the listening skills and, you know, the, the, I would also say a little bit on the data analytics part. Uh, so that there's a lot of data which is thrown to to us uh, in service management, whatever services we are delivering, how to interpret that, how to create sense out of that. 
I think the general problem-solving skills and decision-making skills are very critical. Uh, I would also say a little bit on the um, how to manage panic because I think emotional intelligence plays a very important role because in operation, it's high energy, it's high you know, movement. Uh, we get into an issue and everybody is into panic state. So how do we make sense out of that panic? How do we still decide? How do we still communicate? And how do we still solve uh, effectively would be some of those uh, soft skills. Um, I would also say maybe, you know, if you go to problem management, you know, effective program and project management would also probably come in. But I would say basically relationship, data analytics, problem solving, uh, decision making, and uh, emotional intelligence uh, to stay solid, to stay stable. Thank you, Sunil. Fantastic. Stefan, your thoughts? Yeah. Um, Neha, just to give another perspective before we complete defining a local hero who is uh, capable of doing everything, um, <laughs> I, I think there's, for service management, which, is, which has lots of parts, so there's the operational side, there's the planning side and everything, I think there's something in for everyone, even for those who don't have one of those skills that have been mentioned. If you, if you think of, um, of planning disaster recovery, I think you, you might even have an autistic problem and still can work in that space. But from a career perspective, service management has wide opening. Not everybody has to have a customer interface. That's actually one of the principles is that there are defined interface, interfaces to, to customer interaction. Um, I think the most common um, is what Johan said in the beginning is just be a good human being. I think that is, um, that is very important. Not everybody has all the listening skills and everybody has the empathy. Um, but, but it, there's, there's something in that space, something in for everyone. Good points. Very good points. Definitely. Stefan, Jan, what are your core skills? Uh, apart from what the others already said, which is uh, absolutely relevant, um, most of the skills we come up with are always are operational focused skills. We can throw the whole sphere list to this. And there's, there's uh, how many, something like 100 and so much. That's, that's all relevant. But I think for the management side of this, which is for me the most interesting part, I think um, services are always about conflicts of interest. There's always the issue of prioritization because too many customers want too much at the very same time and there's limited resources. So if a service manager doesn't have conflict resolution and negotiation skills and good communication skills, he'll never never be a successful person in, in this service management career. I think that should be added to it. I agree completely. The facilitation skills as well should be added in there, definitely. Um, Luca, what are your final thoughts on this? I, I agree with everyone, but before I would only add uh, uh, curiosity uh, and the growth mindset. To curiosity, to understand what people are thinking, what, how systems are actually functioning, and uh, a growth mindset in order to be at ease of not being at ease because uh, every day there will happen something that will not put you at ease and you must be uh, uh, at ease with that. 
<laughs> That's a very good point. Very good point you just made, Luke. The ability to work in an I would say a pressured environment where you are taken out of your comfort zone regularly. And that is often on a daily basis, right? It is fantastic. So I just want to do a shout out to our audience. We've got so many people from watching from all over the world. So welcome everybody. Joe, hi from a very sunny London, which is fantastic for you guys today. That's really great to see. Who else have we got online here? Marion, hi from Hosen in the Netherlands. Nice to see you online. Great. Um, Uruguay, hi, from Ethiopia. Great for, to see you guys joining from Ethiopia as well. So loads and loads of people from all over the world watching. Yeah, Memory, hi, from Johannesburg. Nice to see you online as well. All right, we've got so many people watching. I think we're representing most continents here at the moment. So just keep the, keep the chats flowing. Get engaged in the chat. Chuck in your questions. If you have any relevant comments for the panel, if you disagree with the panel, please feel free. <laughs> Put it into the chat and we're going to have a discussion about it. That's what the show is all about. All right, Adriana, may we take our next question, please? Of course, Nigel. And I do agree that it's very sunny and hot in London today, which is nice. (laughs) Our next question is actually our first live question of the day, and it comes from Xi'an. The question is, what are the advantages of having separate product and service management lines in a company? Hmm. What are the advantages mm-hmm. of having separate product and service management lines in a company? Or indeed, are there actually advantages of having separate product lines and services in a company? Johan, would you like to kick us off? Thank you for changing the question. <laughs> <laughs> because I think if we, if we think about the world that we live in, the, the distinction between product and service is becoming more and more difficult. In fact, if you think about it, yeah, when, when I started learning about business, we used to talk about products as got goods and, and services as categories. I actually like that definition more. I think it's impossible today to have a service that doesn't have some associated product attributes or something. And it's also virtually impossible to have a product that doesn't have service aspects um, associated to it. So I would advise in being very, very careful not to think about service and product as something else. Both of those things are intended to provide value to your customer, to help them, yeah? Um, and you should have a holistic view. Thanks, Johan. That makes sense as well, definitely. Um, let's move on to Stefan and then we'll hear from Jan. I, I'm not really sure if I if I understand the question right, but it looks to me like it's one of those that we called in consultancy an exotic zoo of applications of different approaches, whatever fits in. Now, I remember, when, you, for example, if you say, I'm, I'm not going with one service management tool, or we have several, one for the ticketing, one for this, one for that, for problem solving, whatsoever, a fool, with the tool is still a fool. We all know that. So, um, what was behind that decision to have several separate of those lines? And that's how I understand the question. Same with service management. So one says we do service management the old-fashioned way. Our change advisory board is uh, having a meeting every Thursday from ten to eleven, and uh, any kind of deployment has to pass that first versus the DevOps guys who sit in the other corner of the company 
um, who have a completely different view on what deployment really means. There is something wrong in the overall understanding and the approach that company, that organization is taking. Completely wrong. It's tool-driven. I remember in consultancy that somebody said, we have a Microsoft strategy. Now, <laughs> what does that mean? What does that tell me? Yeah? That's a religion. It's not based on, on a service. It says, if Microsoft doesn't have it, we don't do it. Um, would that be the consequence? And I'm not picking on Microsoft. I'm just giving that as an example. So something is wrong there in managing the service management. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, Jan, what are your thoughts on? Um, Jan, sorry, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, well, two things. Uh, first of all, Johan uh, perfectly illustrated the the importance of language here. Because the first question, your first response to this question was, hmm, we don't understand the question. It's a, it's a strange question because actually the service is the product of the service provider. That's what we produce, isn't it? Now, Johan tried to explain that in terms of product is always something of a good. That's a perfect term. Then you said, but there's always something like a service there in as well. And I think you actually meant that there's always something like support. Because service is the sum up, sum up of the goods and the support. That's the definition that we use in USM in architecture of service management. A service is a supported facility. That facility is based on goods and actions. And that applies to any line of business. It's not just for IT. It applies to legal advice, to um, municipalities, or anything you can come up with. So if you just learn to think in, in the same terminology, we wouldn't have even had this discussion because this question just illustrates the wrong use of, of language. But the second thing, if you take it serious, is that if you have separate service management lines in a company, that is exactly what has happened to DevOps. Because when DevOps came, actually the silo was tilted 90 degrees. We replaced one silo by many, eh, a couple of dozen DevOps squads. Actually, all of these squads were business-focused, and all of them were, se were separated from each other, acting as separate frogs in a bucket, because they jump anywhere. They don't have a similar idea about service management. Actually, they don't even have an idea about service management, because they only focus on changing software. Well, that is a very limited approach. Now, having separate product and service management lines, and let's just lump it together, advantages. I would doubt that there are any advantages in the, in the question. Mm. And I have to agree with you there. I, I think that, uh, you know, I think that when you take a look at this, you know, this is a quite an old fashioned way of looking at it. Having a separate product management, you know, strategy and a service management strategy where you have a product team who builds a product and then they give it over to the service management team who manage the product. I think it's a very old fashioned approach. So I agree with you on, that I don't think that there are many advantages, if any, of having a separate product and service management line. These things should be integrated, in my opinion, in a modern environment. It should be from the beginning right through to the end, to the literally termination of that service, that they are looked at holistically from a management perspective rather than, yes, there are certain functions that are going to be performed. Support will be one of them. Development, continual service improvement, all of these things will happen over time, but that goes through the life cycle of it. So it's, uh, yeah, I don't think that there's any advantage there. 
<laughs> All right. Thank you for that. Adriana, could we move on and have our next question, please? Sure. Our next question is also a live question coming from Bundimo, and he's a very loyal level up viewer. And he wants to know, is service management only related to IT? Okay, is service management only related to IT? Um, well, I won't answer that. I will start with Johan, then we'll get and hear from Jan and then Stefan. I'll, I'll do my normal short answer now. And then I'll leave it for the rest of the panel. Yeah. <laughs> Good answer, Johan. Good answer. All right. Jan, what are your thoughts? Uh, it's it's a, a funny thing. This is a good question, of course, uh, because it's it's um, if you look at the industry at this moment, all kinds of players are just uh, trying to conquer the field of enterprise service management, because that's where the new turnover uh, is expected. And we have uh, just uh, taken everything out of the IT business. Everything is settled, and now the IT people are looking for an expansion of their products. So what do we do? Uh, it's the same as what happened in the 90s. In the mid-90s, when we had ticketing systems, ITIL came up, and suddenly all the ticketing systems were ITIL tools. That's what happened in 1995, 96. And then uh, some 10 years ago, we had ITIL, ITIL tools, and suddenly we uh, realized that there was a lot of business, in fact, 97% of economy, outside of IT. So suddenly, all the ITIL tools became enterprise service management tools without changing the software at all. So how stupid can that be? That is fooling the customer. And then Stefan already said, a fool is a tool. So, yeah, it's still a fool. So <laughs> service management, of course, is all over the place. We live in a service dominance era. Everything we do is service-based. Everything a company tries to do is to continue the relationship with its customers. And the fact that time is the differentiator between goods and services. A single trans transaction, a single handoff transaction, that's just one second thing, that's a good transaction. Anything that is beyond that second is a service transaction. That means that there will be a long relationship. And of course, the provider tries to Make that as long as possible because that long relationship will provide turnover. So everything today is going the service way. This is what we call servitization. Uh, service management is economy. People from IT, mostly focused on technology, you know, they are not going to solve service management for economy. I can't come up with the term CMDB when I approach uh, a legal consultancy company. They wouldn't understand me. If I go to human resource management, they wouldn't understand what CMDB is or stuff like that. So you need to turn your head, start thinking services, start thinking customer first. And that's something that most people in IT are finding rather difficult. So service management is all over the place. It's not just related to IT. Yep, it definitely isn't just related to IT. Okay, I think we can quickly fit in a couple of other panelists on this one. Um, Stefan, then Johan, then Sunil. I would like to join Johan with a short answer, which is no. Um, <laughs> but, but I would, would like to add something. Um, service management was there before there was even IT. The principle of service management existed before. Number one. Number two is IT is business. It's everywhere. Even the legal service 
can't work without IT. Um, <clears throat> so there is a strong relation to that. Uh, and, and the only thing is that IT people always think that service management is their reserved term. It's not. Not at all. You're absolutely right. Johan, what are your, your thoughts before we hear from Sunil? Here's an answer that's maybe a question. If, if we say enterprise service management, is that just not doing business? Pretty much. <laughs> business is service management. Every business unit is a service unit. And the big challenge in, in business, therefore, is collaboration and cooperation. Interoperability between elements in the business. That is applicable to the idea of teams in an organization. But it's also applicable to an idea of organizations in a nationwide economy. Like in the Netherlands, we work with uh, our national government. and finally came up with the idea that their architecture should be based on the single concept of a link because each of the government organizations is acting as a link in many supply chains, actually in the government ecosystem. And now national healthcare does the same. We approach the world, we have a level playing fields model we say every component is a link and therefore everyone as a service provider to all the others and all the others are customers from all the others now the only thing that dominates our economy now is our business is service management yeah good point absolutely sunil final thoughts on this before we move on yeah i'm, I'm just going to close it by saying uh, as people have already said that uh, it is an, one of the enablers of the service delivery. Yeah, it doesn't revolve around IT, everything revolves around the service. And, uh, and, and that's the whole view. Uh, and obviously from 90s to now, the IT enablement has become much better. The digital transformation is much better. Uh, the dependence on IT has become higher. However, as I said, the world still revolves around the service and not the IT. And that's-, that's Good point, good point, yep. Okay, so I think just to summarize there for you, for you one team, your, your question sparked off quite a bit of debate, but the short answer is definitely not. It is not only related to IT. In fact, this the concept of service management predates IT by about a couple of decades. So it's been around a long time. IT is definitely part of the services, and today it's probably more pervasive than it ever has been before, and it is indeed an enabler, but definitely service management is a concept that is not only related to IT. All right, thank you. Adriana, may we take our next question, please? Questions are stacking up here, so I think we better get through some more. Of course. The next question comes from David in Ireland, and he wants to know, how can individuals gain practical experience and hands-on exposure in service management while still in the early stages of their career? Interesting. Yeah, there's a, there are a couple of things, uh, a couple of ways to go about doing this. So I think a couple of people wanted to answer this. So Luca, I'm going to start with you and then we'll hear from Stefan, then Johan and Jan. Uh, following on what we said in the previous, uh, in the previous question, everything uh, we do in an organization and maybe outside the organization is part of a service. So every kind of job you happen to do in every kind of company is part of the service. Uh, you can try to understand what is your role and what is the bigger picture. 
and how you contribute to the general purpose of providing value. Okay, perfect. Thank you, Luca. Stefan, your thoughts? Yeah, just one idea here, <clears throat> David. Um, there are simulations that simulate service management. A very famous one used to be Apollo 13. Today we have cargo simulation, which is close to Pitham. And there are others. Um, we can gain some practical experience. I mean, really crash, crash the ship against uh, an iceberg or whatsoever without any real damage understand what an impact certain service management um, activities can have. That will be my short practical advice. Okay. Thanks. Thanks, Stefan. Johan, your thoughts? I want to hook on to something that Sunil said earlier. And if, if, if you can develop your, your skills around being able to solve problems, you will have an opportunity to become involved in deeply in service management. It doesn't matter where you are in the organization. True. Very good point, Johan. Very good point. Um, Jan, what are your thoughts before yeah. we have hear from Sunil? Uh, I'm always Luca this time. Uh, I think the question is peculiar. You can't get hands-on experience uh, in the early days of your career because you're doing things that you do. So, the only thing you can do is to focus on the meaning of what you're doing. And that's exactly what Luca said. He said. You must have an idea of the bigger picture. If you don't have the idea, then anything that your experience is doing for you is not going to help. Yeah, good point, Jan. Good point. Sunil, final thoughts on this? Yeah. Um, look, I've been involved in some of the universities and when they kind of look at corporate, to, you know, uh, how, how is the corporate disconnect with the campus? Uh, and when they join in, what do they do? So I think one of the things people have been doing is uh, reading a lot of case studies, successful services companies and what they started with and what their focus has been. Uh, and not just IT, the entire service focus. I think one is that. Uh, another thing which I've heard people do is they follow the path of successful services professionals. So they look at how they started, what are their typical skills, why A is more successful in a good environment than be in one of those skills. So that's there's a lot of analysis, which, uh, you know, the, the digital, um, uh, I would say, candidates are doing nowadays to kind of figure out. And what I see a lot is happening is there's a lot of um, uh, campus in discussions happening with corporates visiting them and trying to explain how the service industry is moving, what are the typical, you know, methods and systems are being in place. And what are the typical skills? So I would say use that forum, uh, read a lot, uh, go and, you know, you have chat GPT, which gives you some amazing, limited but amazing analysis. Use that and talk to people. People have forgotten the art of conversation. We'd rather search something than go and speak to a professional who's working, right? So, you know, people should be able to do that and figure out in real life what they really need. Yeah, perfect, perfect. So I think I think there are a couple of other things that you can do here as well. One would be to look for a mentorship program. Sometimes you can find good mentorship programs with within your own company, even otherwise in support groups outside your company. Um, those the, join the forums that are out there. Um, we've mentioned things like the ITSMF. Yeah, that sort of forum will help you because you will find like-minded people there who can give you good advice 
you know, and they can also talk you through various case studies and scenarios that they put into place or have worked on. Um, secondly, go and talk to the service management folks in your company, your superiors, and ask them how you can get more involved. It might be that they give you a mini project, yeah? and they can see if you are really keen, hey, this is not going to damage anything, but it will give him hands-on experience. Let's see if he can improve this service or you know, this element of a service and so on. So there are lots of ways that you can go about doing that. All right, thanks. Time is, is getting tight here already and the questions are stacking up. So Adriana, let's move on to our next question, please. We have another live question from Joe. He wants to know, if you were to interview a candidate for a service manager role, what would you be looking for with regards to formal education and or qualifications? Okay, interesting. So there are actually quite a few options here mm -hmm. for formal education and qualifications. And, you know, I think that we could probably, you know, we, we are APMG, right? So we're talking about uh, <laughs> qualifications. We have a lot of those different qualifications available. But what would the panelists be looking for? Um, I think let's start off with Sunil, then we'll go to Jan and then Stefan and Johan. Okay, so it's a little open question because we're looking at service manager role. Uh, it depends on what kind of service is it, what kind of industry is it. So obviously, if it's an engineering service in a product, I would look at you know re, you know related kind of stuff. But looking at the software side, I would say again, how would they solve a problem? What are their analytical thought process? How do they approach a problem? Right? So, you know, so that's I think another area, and there are a lot of games available. A lot of simulation available, Stefan said, which gives you a very good idea. There are psychometric tests available, which tells you how is the thought process. So that was what I would also now check for. We've now been conducting emotional intelligence, uh, you know, tests for people we hire in terms of how is their panic? How do they react in an emergency situation? How cool they are? How, you know, are they stable enough to take a decision when there is, you know, fire happening in the environment? And that could be, you know, not literal fire. So those are some of the areas that we've seen. It really doesn't matter if you've done your top engineer or a top doctorate or you know whatever qualification you've done. You need the basic qualification. But as a human being, how do you react to situations? How do you manage situation? How do you communicate with people and how you keep the ship stable? I think are more critical qualification that we look at in our own. Thanks. Thanks, Sunil. Definitely. Uh, Jan, your quick thoughts briefly before uh, we hear from Stefan and Johan. Answer, um, if this is the real service manager and not just one of the operational managers, because that's how I would interpret this question, the service manager, of course, should have the skills that we've been discussing, like conflict resolution, communication, effective interaction, interpersonal skills and stuff like that. So I would recommend that he must know something about architecture. And I think the only uh, training in architecture is the USM Foundation training that explains you what our enterprise service management architecture and enterprise service management systems is all about. So you must know something about that. And then you add that with all kinds of interpersonal skills like business relationship management. I would prefer my service manager would know how to handle a conflict with a customer. I'm really glad you mentioned that one. In fact, both of them. So, because business relationship management, re relationship management is a critical skill for any service manager. So in addition to knowing the frameworks that might be available out there, um, I think that I'd be focusing more on things like BRM and their knowledge and ability to do that sort of thing. All right. Uh, who was next? We've got, some, uh, we've got Stefan next and then Johan. 
I thought you were reading my mind, Nigel, about BRM. <laughs> that was also uh, what popped to my head. But if I'm interviewing a candidate for a service manager, there's always, well, how, what is the career path for that person as he is in the company, how he moves on? And that is indeed BRM. BRM is, is for me always the next logical step after, after service manager. Um, but I would, loss, I, I would expect some kind of analytical skills, in particular, as it is if it's a service manager. And, we, and just take that as a given, as Jan said. Uh, we're talking not about an operational role. Um, analytical skills to really understand. Uh, and of course, I would expect that he either knows from the ISO 20,000, from FITSM, or even from the ITIL, uh, the difference between an um, incident and a problem, uh, which is still uh, one of the, uh, the, the biggest things, just the terminology, and that's the point. So is there any framework needed or theoretical knowledge? I don't think that somebody has to be an expert in any of these frameworks necessarily, because that only proves that the, that the person has read a book or several books, took an exam but never made the shoes dirty in worst case, right? So, so but the terminology is important. You can't yeah. be a service manager if you don't understand the terminology that's, that's being used. But again, keeping business relationship management in mind and all the skills that were defined there. Uh, and these are those that we have spoken about before in this show. Yep. Thanks, Stefan. Thanks. Johan, final thoughts on this? Okay, I'm going to summarize. It depends on what part of service management you're working in. Um, I would imagine that Sunil started off, off with, with uh, problem-solving skills. Uh, that applies genetic, uh, genetically across the, the board. If you're moving more towards the customer side, things like communication, conflict resolution, um, understanding the business of the business, yeah, those type of things are becoming more important. If you're moving moving more towards the technical side, then um, understanding how to translate business architectures into IT architectures, what are the building blocks and all those type of things. But for me, a service manager is always first a problem solver. Um, so, Neil? <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right, guys. So, you know, I think that there's another core skill that I'd be looking for. In, in addition to somebody being qualified in, as a business relationship manager or at least studying along that path, I would very much like to see my service manager have some sort of understanding and a skill in the area or sphere of agility. Yeah. It's an, in an agile environment. This is the way in which the world is moving. If they don't understand agility or what a business is when it is agile, what it should look like, how to adapt it themselves to being agile within an agile environment, then I think they would have a problem. So I just want to add that one in. All right. Uh, I can see the questions are stacking up. We're running out of time. Adriana, what is our next question, please? Our next question comes from Tom in the US, and he wants to know what are the potential career paths and progression opportunities within the field of service management? Hmm. Potential career paths and progression opportunities. Wow. Well, I think there's so many here, right? Luca, I think let's just take one or two answers on this. So, Luca, let's let's hear from you, and then we'll take one other. Yes, the, the first one that comes to my mind is uh, the, the BRM role that you have already mentioned. So, moving on the uh, strategic side, uh, finding how to uh, 
help the organization evolve and grow. And then obviously after that, maybe that of um, service provider head or business head or something like that. Having worked in the service management field, that there are many possibilities in the provider or in the business sector. Yep, very, very good points. I think there's all, all possible progression areas for this in the career. Um, Sunil, briefly, before we move on to the next question, which I can see on screen now, and it's a good one. Okay, so I'll, I'll be brief. So uh, if you look at from the operational side, because I know uh, uh, from, from that perspective, people normally we look at people joining it at level one service desk, then moving as incident managers, you know, kind of moving to problem, then service managers. And then as Stefan was mentioning, we get into the business relationship management role as well. So there is, uh, there is a very clear progression, but it also depends on what kind of skills you have. We've been talking about a lot of skills. We've been talking about decision-making. We're talking about data analytics. So if you have those basic skills, your progression is much more, uh, I would say, aggressive rather than, you know, kind of year on year. Uh, otherwise, there are people I've seen in our organization, in our customer organization, uh, they are happy at level three. They're happy at the service manager level and stay there for quite some time because it takes them time to acquire the next level of skills or they have... Uh, you know, kind of settled there. So I would say there is enough activity. Before this call, I was I went to Monster and I just typed in ITIL and I got 320,000 requirements on people looking for ITIL certified people, you know. So I'm saying there's enough happening, there's enough action, uh, you know, enough growth requirement. It's just that we don't have the right set of skills with the right of set of people that we really need. Uh, yeah, so that's where I would want to close, uh, Nigel. Thanks, Sunil. Yeah, I think that that's the frightening part in, in my view of the state of the industry, that in, when people are looking for a framework specifically to, if you've got an ITIL skill or an ITIL qualification, you are suddenly qualified to be a service manager when that is absolutely simply not the case, right? Mm -hmm. It's really yeah. not about the framework. Yeah? It's really yeah. not about the framework. And I hope that today's show has given everybody a little bit of an understanding of that. There's a lot more to being a service manager than knowing any specific framework. So think about that from a potential career path. My advice to you, understand the business. Look into strategy. Yeah? Get in If you want to move on into the role of a CIO after being a service manager, you need to really understand and become interrelationed with the board. Yeah? Get in with the board, definitely. So business strategy is critical. And again, once, you know, agility is part of that, right? And there's a lot involved in understanding how to make a business or transform a business into an agile business. So, and that's well beyond this realm or scope of a standard service manager. So, all right, thanks. I think we've got time for one, maybe two more questions if we are rapid. And I know the next question coming up is a good one. So Adriana, what are your thoughts on the next? Can you give us the next question? Yeah, um, next question comes from Johan. Again, you already had a big of it, but <laughs> he wants to know what was the biggest aha moment that turned your view of what a service management professional does around? Okay, so we've got quite a few people who want to answer this. In fact, I think nearly the whole panel here wants So let's just walk around. Jan, Stefan, Luca, Sunil. Okay, let's get cracking from there. Now, it was quite a Quite a long time ago, early 90s, when I was a change manager in uh, one of the Dutch national uh, telecom data centers, um, we organized a site visit with our customers. They were actually across the street. 
And when my team of change coordinators came back, they came back with the idea that the people, the users they had been talking to, were sending quite a different message from the managers that I had been negotiating previously with. Well, that actually told us that we had no clue about what the customer actually was or what he meant. And from that time on, and this is a gap that is not even a gap in SurfQual. Because SurfCall doesn't even address the gap between the user and the manager who is sending the request to the service provider. This is an unknown gap. And I think this is my main uh, gap when I realized customers first. You must understand the business. If you don't understand the business, you're just a technology guy and there's plenty of them around, but they're not going to be service managers. Totally agree with you, Johan. I mean, Jan, there is such a big gap, such a big gap there. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Stefan, next then, Luca. Beginning of the 2000s, and I was a consultant, and I was uh, assisting a customer in negotiating and outsourcing. And outsourcing at that time usually was IT people were afraid, have hidden everything to do because they didn't want to be comparable. Um, and then the outsourcer came in and say he calculated the assets plus the number of people divided by X and multiplied by Y, and that was the price, the monthly price. And uh, we started to overcome this um, by defining services. So th th that's commodity today. You define a, a service is not to get a server because our early service catalogs actually had a server and a PC in there, but not the service. So the service was email, with, which is commodity today, like having 20 gig or whatsoever, but then with a price tag on. And my biggest aha moment was that the customers did not commit to any details on that. So, for example, email not 24 by 7, but maybe 20 by 7, and, but there's a different price tag on it. They were not ready to commit to any of that. So that was the aha moment for me to understand this is what a service management manager actually has to look for is to build a relationship with the customers to gain trust that they can commit to a requirement. The biggest problem I had was to actually get the requirements to the level of detail I needed. Makes sense, definitely. Requirements are very important. Luca, your, th your thoughts? Yes, my, my Copernican revolution was uh, exchanging the role of relationships and services. In the past, I thought as service first, relationship second. I mean, I have a good service. I will sell that service to my customers. Now I tend to think uh, relationship first, service second. I have a good relation, so I can provide good services. I love that way of thinking, Luca. I love that way of thinking. It's absolutely correct. Sunil, final thoughts very briefly on this. Yeah, this is my early days of a consulting. Uh, I had just done foundation at that time and I was thrown into the ring. And we had these big flowcharts, right? We used to, we were supposed to mug up how the IT process will flow, you know, the classification and prioritization yes. and all that stuff. And, and, and what, ha what used to happen was uh, wherever we are at the customer side, you don't go back and read the books, right? So the only thing I could see was I started using common sense. I said, if this is what the issue is, what would common sense say? And, we, and I will do that. And then later when you check, it is almost always correct. 
So what I realized was that a lot of people get too much in, into, you know, the process and the flows and in the flow charts that they really forget what it's meant for, the big picture. And, and that was my moment saying, okay, let's just use common sense, guys. Keep the best practice, whether it is A, B, C, D, you know, they're like, we were thrown 20 different jargon terms and saying, you want to use everything. We want to use TOGAV, we want to use ITIL, we're going to use COVID, we're going to use this. But at the end of it, when we use common sense, it worked. And, and that for me is a pretty good thing. And, and, you know, and obviously most of these best practices are like that. They are taking the common sense from most organizations, putting it together, and then kind of giving it back in a wholesome way. And that always Fantastic. Very good thoughts there. Johan, your last thoughts on this. You asked the question. Okay, quick. So my first role as a service manager is I got the opportunity to appoint at that stage, 10 people as process managers so that we could control C, control V, the books. And I often say that the organization survived in spite of us. Um, so the biggest <laughs> aha moment for me was when I realized, yeah, the books are just ideas. <laughs> as Neil said, yeah, you need to contextualize this stuff and apply common sense, yeah. Um, and yes, it may be very good ideas, but don't be a bigot, a framework bigot. So yeah, that was my biggest aha moment. Yeah, fantastic. That's a great one. I think we've had some really good stories here. Um, you know, I think that for me, my, my biggest aha moment was just when I took over a team of folks in IT. And after a couple of days, you know, of getting to know them, you know, my, one of the things I always like to do is to have a, you know, a group discussion with them. And I asked them in, to describe in their own terms what the business actually did that they worked for. And very few of them, in fact, hardly any of them, could really articulate what that business did. So how on earth were they going to provide services you know, for a business or even out to the general public if the services were public facing if they didn't even understand their own business? So that was a big aha moment. And I'm afraid that, that happens in almost all businesses still to this day. I work in IT, so I don't really need to understand what the business does, do I? I just need to understand my little silo or the little part of the box that I'm working in. That's not the case at all. If we could just broaden the horizons, broaden the scope of thinking, we would find that services are a lot easier to deliver. There'd be a lot less of those aha moments, um, <laughs> and there'd be a lot more satisfaction from our customers. So unfortunately, panel, we have run out of time for today. So I'd like to walk around and get your very brief closing comments before we close off the show. Just going to walk around in order. So Sunil, two seconds. What's your, what was your final comment for the show? I think we, we learned a lot around the service and the products. I think there would be a very clear differentiator. And I think the second thing I would like to also take away is being a good human being. I think there was a good discussion around all the other things are okay, but as long as you have the basic ingredients right, you are fit to deliver services. So that's my take, and thank you for having me uh, in the panel. Very f Thanks, Sunil. Johan, your final thoughts. Peter Drucker said that customers often don't buy what we think we sell them. And I think you need to go and think about that. Once again, thanks for a wonderful opportunity. I had lots of fun and thought back about you know, years ago and all the stupid things we did. Um, so this was, this was really a good opportunity just to share. Thank you. Share.
No problem. Thanks, Johan. Stefan? Yeah, I think a term I heard very often in the past, and I'm, I'm a little bit referring to what you said, Nigel, is I know my customer, which is the biggest lie you've always heard. The biggest lie, it's just untrue. No, you don't know your customer because he might have changed overnight. And uh, you don't know. Yeah, And I think that was important to understand here how, how relationships Certain human skills, soft skills are important to be a good service manager. I still think you have to understand the terminology. So some of those frameworks might be, might be very good advice to have, but I saw there was another question on Slido saying, is an idle foundation enough? That's a whole show where you can debate on that. It can be enough because in the end, it's the practical experience. It's what you built on top of it. it I don't, you don't need to be an expert on theoretical book knowledge. Thanks, Stefan. Appreciate it. Jan, your final thoughts. I think most important what we addressed uh, today was the split between managing and operations within uh, the whole concept of service management. And the second thing is that we must think from the customer's position. That is, has been said by everyone. If we don't think from the customer, and understand the customer, and we are living at level one or two of the value maturity model. And we can be very capable of that, but it doesn't bring any value. So my living, my house is built on the value maturity model. And that means level four, level five customer first. You think from the customer, you must understand that. And then you manage, and then you operate, and, and you select the tools, whatever you need. Fantastic advice. Thank you, Jan. Luca, your final thoughts on today? Um, I enjoyed a lot of this show. My final thoughts are that we are all connected. We are we all have to uh, provide value each other to manage good relationship with others. We cannot escape that. No, that's a good point. We absolutely cannot escape that. <laughs> all right, uh, Adriana, maybe you can come back and tell us how did you find today's show. It was a pleasure to be in the show today. I think we've received very good advice and such great insights. So it's been really a pleasure to be here. Awesome. Thank you. All right, panel, just thank you so much once again on behalf of all the audience and APMG for making yourselves available to do this. All right. So I think over on our website, you can search for answers for 2,000 questions or more now. In fact, it's a great comprehensive free resource. It connects you with over 200 experts from around the world. So please feel free to go over and make use of that. Don't forget, you can also listen to your preferred, your audio, as you say, the audio versions of the show on your preferred podcast platform. And they're on quite a few platforms. So just search for APMG International on your preferred platform and you should find it. Also, please take a moment to like, comment and share and subscribe. It doesn't cost you anything, but it really does help you folks discover our content. So what's coming up? Well, on Monday the 10th at 8am, we're going to look at why big data is important. And I think that's a show that you definitely don't want to miss. And on Friday the 14th at 2pm, we're looking at how to build the perfect project team. Now, that should be quite a bit of debate around that one. And on Monday the 17th at 8am, we are going to discuss this question. Is being agile the same as knowing Scrum? I anticipate a lot of discussion around that one too. All of the details of those shows are on apmginternational.com. So go over there, take a look at them, subscribe. 
please subscribe to the show and we'll send you a personal summary of what's coming up and how you can join us here on the panel and level up your career with APMG. Thanks, everybody. See you on the next show.